Broadcasting live worldwide. Ladies and gentlemen, from the studios in the wrestling capital of the South, it's another terrific episode of The Binge Buster Show. Please welcome your host, Tony Binge. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Binge Buster Show. We have got a tremendous show in store for you listeners today. Uh, it is the month of October, and what that means is it is Halloween. And uh, and I thought, what better way to to get this the month of October podcast but to um, talk uh, Halloween Havoc, all the big pay-per-views that WCW had in the late 80s, early 90s. And uh, I'm excited about this. And and uh, in order to, to do this show, I got to bring on my co-host. I'm talking about my friend and tag team partner, gorgeous Jeff Patton. Jeff, Jeff, how are you? Doing great, man. How are you? Man, I'm doing good, Jeff. I know it's uh, it's been a crazy week for both of us. Well, it's a crazy week for the world. I mean, we, you know, with COVID going on, and it seems like just, just when we think the things are getting better i keep hearing you know they're you know the numbers are going back up so let's uh let's let's just hope that that's not uh that's not the case um and uh that that we can definitely um you know get back out there and uh and have a normal life again like i said before man it'll all be over in about three weeks <laughs> yep i think you're right i think you're exactly right on that one uh you know i'm just uh i mean i'm just ready to uh i'm ready to get back out there and and have a normal life again and uh man it's just uh i'm, I'm ready i'm ready but um but speaking of ready uh jeff i, I like like i said I, I i know you 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 joined chris and i last week for our show halloween havoc 89 and we're just going to keep it rolling this week uh, as we uh, talk about Halloween Havoc 90. Uh, the fans, Chris, isn't with us this week. He is out on location working on some stories for the Binge Buster show. He'll hopefully be back with us next week. Uh, but this week, you've got me and Jeff Patton, and we're going to break down Halloween Havoc. Uh, we got a lot going on on this show, so uh, make sure you um, uh, tune in, listen up. Uh, we're going to take a commercial break, and we come back. We are going to be talking Halloween Havoc 90. It's the North American Wrestling Association. Each and every Saturday at noon on Facebook and YouTube. Each week, tune in and see the biggest stars from the NAWA, including Drew Hood, Luke Christian, Adam James, James Brody, Jet Jaggers, Ted and AWOL, King Craig Classic. The Golden Gladiators, Dangerous Donnie, High Performance, Stroking Tim, Hunter, and many more. That's every Saturday at noon. A new episode airs on YouTube. It's the NAWA, the Major League of Independent Professional Wrestling. Check them out each week on YouTube. It's the NAWA Professional Wrestling. Halloween Havoc 90 was the second Halloween Havoc pay-per-view presented by World Championship Wrestling. 
It took place October 27, 1990 at the UIC Pavilion in Chicago, Illinois. It drew attendance of 8,000 people, with the main event being Sting, the new WCW World Heavyweight Champion, defending against one of the horsemen, Sid Vicious. Jeff, what are your thoughts on this pay-per-view? Um, I, it, I think it was better than the first uh, Halloween Havoc they had. Um, the matches were better. Um, the build-up, I think, was a lot better. Um, and uh, just uh, enjoyed it. Uh, uh, great pay-per-view. Um, and we'll talk about that. I, I definitely tell you the match that stole the show, but we'll talk about that later. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that, that I, that I, um, had found out about this, uh, this pay-per-view was, uh, Vince McMahon and the world wrestling federation at the time, uh, world wrestling entertainment. Now, uh, they actually ran, uh, several shows on the same day <laughs> trying to, um, you know, steal some of the people or some of the, the fans, uh, from attending Halloween havoc and, uh, and matter of fact, he ran a show, uh, just a few, few miles away from this one, um, at there, there at the, um, in Chicago. So, um, so Vince knew that, that WCW was, uh, it was definitely a, um, uh, a competitor of his. Um, but, but as, as we get into this event, uh, Jeff, I mean, WCW at this time, they, 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 they definitely had some, some, some main, you know, some, some really good draws. Um, you know, talent-wise, on on the roster. Uh, yes, they did. Uh, with uh, still had uh, Rick Flair, uh, Arn Anderson, Sting, uh, Sid Vicious had come in, uh, and kind of was starting to establish himself. Uh, Stan Hansen, they brought him in. Uh, of course, you had you know Lex Luger and the Steiner brothers, and uh, they even brought in the Nasty Boys, uh, who had made their way up. Um, from, I think, uh, the, they were in the, uh, South Atlantic pro wrestling at first is how they got started. And then mm -hmm. they went to the AWA and then moved up to WCW. I think that's their path, uh, to where they were. And then eventually they went to the, the WWF. Okay. Yeah. I, I remember that they, um, it seemed like they were, um, uh, the, you know, de definitely a, um, you know, popular people at that time. Yeah, they were a great tag team. Yeah. Um, what, one, one of the, uh, the, the, the things I want to point out on this, um, you know, we, we had 12 matches, uh, only 10 of them made it to the pay-per-view. Um, the first two matches, dark matches on the show, uh, first match, uh, white lightning, Tim Horner taking on, uh, who I thought was, was a major, um, uh, talent enhancement for the WWF, uh, here in 1990, he's in WCW, uh, Barry Horowitz. Totally agree with you on that one. Yeah. I, I couldn't believe when, when I, when I read this, I'm like, what Barry was in, <laughs> was in WCW there for a while. Uh, but he was, uh, but of course on this pay-per-view, he would, he wouldn't actually presented on the pay-per-view he was on in the dark match uh first match of the night tim horner versus barry horowitz this match goes eight minutes 35 seconds with tim horner taking the taking the win um jeff i know neither one of us saw this match but um what it, like like as far as knowing the talent and these two guys what what are your thoughts on on this match i uh, bet it was a good one a uh, good way to start uh start the event out you've got two <clears throat> two uh, very good performers in the ring and uh, of course i always believe you always you always uh it's always a good thing to have that that uh baby face go over in the first match anyway to kind of get the crowd into it yeah for sure um the other uh, the, the the next match uh, moving on um rip rogers uh, that, 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 that's, that's another one. Uh, I think the first time I ever saw Rip Rogers, he was working in world-class championship wrestling, probably around 84, 85. Um, but he's taking on Reno Riggins. Now, if I ain't mistaken, Reno Riggins was a, was an AWA, um, competitor, correct? Uh, yes, he was. 
So this match, uh, I think he had moved. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think one of the reasons if you take a look at this with having Rip Rogers and Reno Riggins, uh, Reno Riggins was a, like I said, an AWA mainstay. And, uh, during this time in the eighties, the AWA was, was very prominent in the Chicago area. Yes, they were. So now, as as we start the uh, the pay per view, um, we're we're going to um, we're going to uh, open the open the show up with uh, of you know, and one thing I want to point out too, uh, Jeff, uh, is uh, this Halloween Havoc. It seemed like a lot of the a lot of the stars, a lot of the wrestlers, were like wearing you know different costumes uh, as as where well, as like what what we're supposed to seeing them. And this right here was a prime example. Um, Wildfire Tommy Rich and and Ricky Morton uh, were a team, and they were dressed almost kind of like Grease, you know, the, the characters from Grease. They both were wearing black motorcycle jackets and had their hair slicked back, and they were taking on the team of the Midnight Express, Beautiful Bobby, Sweet Stan with Jim Cornette. This match goes uh, 20 minutes, 49 seconds, and was probably the best match on the card. Would you agree? Um, yes, I would say if not that there was another tag team match, but okay, yeah, we'll know, get in that a little later. But good too, yeah, but yeah, it it definitely would would have been a good match, and you know it's it's sad to see, and I've I've seen you know I like to watch um, you know the the shoot uh, uh, the podcast and everything of uh, Jim Cornette's always fun to listen to, and I remember he talked a lot about. Uh, you know, how in the early 90s it seemed like that, uh, you know, the Midnight Express were pretty much buried in WCW. And uh, that this is an indication. I mean, their first match on the pay-per-view. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah, for sure. And that was one of the things that, um, that, uh, that, that really, you know, took me back was the fact that, um, you know, Midnight Express was an awesome team. And they were definitely used, uh, you know, using abuse is, is a good word. Yeah, especially when Herd took over. <laughs> yeah, for sure on that one. Um, and uh, one of the other things that I like to point out, too, is the fact that um, during this time, uh, you know, you, you got – you got four guys that have been, you know, um, all over the world uh, during this time. And here, you know, we, we got them in basically the opening match of a pay-per-view. Yeah, and I think at the time, Robert Gibson was out with a leg injury. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, that was the reason why they, they put Tommy Rich uh, with Ricky Morton. And, uh, yeah. of course, w- w- you know, we'll touch base on this in some other podcasts, but – um, I think that, that, that was one of the, the things that led Ricky Morton and Robert Gibson into splitting up the Rock Express there for a while. Mm-hmm. So now, uh, after that, going on to the uh, next match, um, uh, Terry Taylor taking on Wild Bill Irwin. What do you think about that match, Jeff? Matchup is it not? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, Taylor. Uh, well, I mean, Terry Taylor won, did he not? Yeah, he did. Uh, Terry Taylor won. Uh, the match okay. went 11 minutes and 47 seconds. Okay, I mean, not knocking Wild Bill Irwin, but uh, uh yeah, he was more of a, a uh, brawler. Uh, type and Terry Taylor was a scientific uh, wrestler, so uh, clashing styles there, but still, um, I'm sure it was, uh, you know, a pretty okay uh, matchup, yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, uh, you know, definitely, I mean, Terry Taylor was, was definitely a, a, a great hand in the ring. Um, Terry, Terry was very smart about the business. I mean, I mean, just look at his resume and all the things he's done backstage. You know, he was an agent for a very long time with WWE. So Terry's 
definitely got a mind for the business. And while Bill Irwin as well, I mean, you know, he, he and his brother Scott Hall Irwin were um, were uh, were a tremendous tag team in the eighties. Yes, they were. Uh, but Terry, you know, for some reason, Terry just didn't have the. What am I looking for? He just didn't have, you know, the spark. You know, uh, you know what I'm saying. I mean, uh, he just wasn't. Uh, I don't know. Didn't get over. You know what I'm saying. I mean, yeah, he wasn't that. Uh, you know, and I thought I thought he was a better heel than the babyface anyway. But uh, that kind of fit his wrestling style. But uh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, I, th- I thought it was, you know, definitely uh, a good team. Um, now, Jeff, moving on to the next match, here is a new team uh, to WCW. Um, it, it is um, the Master Blasters, Blade and Steel, taking on the Southern Boys. Now, I remember around about this time, um, I was still going and seeing live wrestling um, in Greensboro Coliseum. And I remember seeing the Master Blasters, and I believe they they took on the Dynamic Dudes at, at the show I went to. And it was uh when I saw them, I'm like, man, these guys are huge. Uh, but then you didn't really. It's it's like they they were here and then they were gone. Yeah, um, they they had a clash of champions in Asheville, I think, the month before this. Uh. Like Mountain Madness or something. I can't remember. Didn't I think that was the name of it? And I don't can't remember what number it was. I think it may have been twelve. Uh-huh. Um any, anyway, um oh we went to it and uh that was their debut, the Master Bunch, and they went against Brad Armstrong or Tim Horner. Okay. And we were just we were amazed by the big guy, which ended up being Kevin Nash, you know, yeah. later on it was you know, he was Kevin Nash, and uh, uh, we were just amazed by his size. And the other guy, I don't know where they got him, but he was, uh, you know, he was horrible. Just, uh, yeah, <laughs> a, lot, a lot of the stuff he did in the ring was like, uh, yeah, he shouldn't have been in there. But I guess, you know, he was built. Yeah. Right? He was built like a like a, a, a wall of bricks. But, uh, um they were very impressive uh, size-wise, and uh, um, I guess they, uh, against the Southern boys, I can't imagine this match going very long or, or being that, uh, no. that competitive or, or that good. No, they the Master Blasters defeated the Southern boys. Um, this match went 7 minutes, 17 seconds. Yeah, and I think I read where Jim Cornette, um, interfered. I think they were feud. Uh, they were getting ready to start their feud with the Southern Boys. Yeah, I think you're right on that one. Uh, now we're going into a, another match. This match is for the, um, for, I believe it's for the United States Tag Team Titles. Um, uh, I'm sorry, no, I'm, I'm looking at my, my drop line. This is not this 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 was just a tag my tag team match. Uh, the Fabulous Freebirds. Jimmy Jam Garvin, Michael P.S. Hayes with their new manager, um, Rocky King, uh, debuting as Little Richard Marley, uh, and uh, and and it's funny too. You go back and look at this because like you know the the, the Freebirds had you know supposedly injured Robert Gibson, so I remember uh, um, Little Richard Marley was coming out dressed like Robert Gibson, um, so I thought that was kind of funny. Uh, and they take on the Renegade Warriors, Chris and Mark Youngblood. Yeah, um, I remember that Mark had been in wrestling for a long time before that. Because I remember he was uh, former, well, I think he held the Mid-Atlantic TV title at one time. Um, and, uh, yeah, they were uh, pretty impressive. I guess they were brothers, is that correct? Yeah, they were brothers, and they were, they were, they were real brothers in real life, Chris and uh, Mark Youngblood. Uh, our, our real brothers, it wasn't a gimmick. Um, and, uh, you, you know, uh, whenever, um, Jay Youngblood passed away, remember they, they brought Mark Youngblood in to kind of like take his place. Um, uh, but of course, you know, Mark was a good talent, but he wasn't over and he couldn't get over the way Jay Youngblood was. Yeah, exactly. Jay was, 
just a unique wrestler. Um, um, just an amazing wrestler in the ring. And uh, so, uh, to me, he and Rick Steamboat uh, is one of my three favorite tag teams of all time. I just love those two together. And, of course, they were five-time NWA World Tag Team Champions, which at the time they were the first team to do that. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, and then, of course, you got uh, um, Michael P.S. Hayes and Jimmy Jam Garvin as the Freebirds. Right, exactly. Yep. Uh, to me, uh, I guess the Freebirds won this match, correct? Yeah, the Freebirds uh, definitely defeated the Renegade Warriors. Um, the Freebirds were, were were red hot during this time, and they were just on fire. Um, and uh, you know, uh, you know, during this time was the was the new um, you know um, Freebirds. I, I say new Freebirds, but uh, Jimmy Garvin and Michael Hayes had had been calling themselves the Freebirds since I think 1989. Uh, whenever they entered that World Tag Team Title tournament, everyone thought it was going to be you know, Michael Hayes and, and, um, and Terry Gordy, uh, or Buddy Roberts. But at the time, Buddy Roberts was still working for world-class. Uh, and, um, and so they brought in Jimmy Garvin, but, but what a lot of people don't, don't know and don't remember, if you go back to the world-class days, even though Jimmy Garvin was never quote called a free bird, um, he was always doing stuff with the Freebirds. Matter of fact, he was he was actually in the Bad Street USA video uh, that that Michael Hayes shot for his song, and and uh, Jimmy Garvin played the uh, ambulance driver. <laughs> oh, that's crazy! <laughs> yeah, a, a, a lot a lot of people a lot of people doesn't know that, but yeah, if you watch the, if you go back and watch the Bad Street USA video, uh, you know when when they when they get to the part of the song where it says you know the ambulance driver. Uh, it's Jimmy Garvin wearing a, well, he's wearing, he's wearing a doctor's, uh, like jacket <laughs> and then he's like hovered over this body on the ground. And, and then he says, uh, uh, should have told the boys about Bastry or whatever, but, uh, really funny stuff. But, uh, but, but definitely, uh, you know, free birds were going to always be in one of my top, you know, three or four, uh, favorite tag teams of all time. Um, what, I guess one of my regrets over the years, I've been pretty lucky to work with a lot of, a lot of stars. I've got to work with, um, you know, guys I grew up watching like the rock and roll express. And I've been in the ring with the, with the, Ivan Koloff and Jimmy Valiant and, and, uh, uh, the midnight express. I mean, uh, the, the, you know, I've, I've been in the ring with a lot of them. Um, but my biggest regret is never getting to work with the Freebirds. I, I wish I, I wish I could have had, you know, that, 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 that would have happened, but, uh, that I, I think that that would have been so much fun. Me and Michael Hayes could have had a moonwalk contest. <laughs> yeah, which have been funny, but uh, but I, I I probably would have been like Buddy Roberts. Did a did did a, you ever see that that spot one time when they was in world class? Michael Hayes is moonwalking, and uh, Buddy Roberts tries to moonwalk and he trips over his jacket and falls down. That would have been me. <laughs> yes, I have. Yes, I have. <laughs> I love it. It's the funniest thing I ever saw. Um, but yeah, I love the Freebirds. But now moving on, our next match is for the NWA United States Tag Team Titles. Uh, we've got the Steiner brothers, Rick and Scott, who at this time WCW was really grooming them to be the you know the the, the new top team. Um, so they're the U.S. Tag Team Champions. They're defending against the Nasty Boys, uh, Brian Hobbs and uh, Brian Nobbs and excuse me and Jerry Sags. Uh, this match goes 15 minutes 24 seconds with the Steiner brothers defeating uh, the Nasty Boys. Uh, this match was nothing but hard hitting action, Jeff. Oh, I'm sure it was. When you get Rick and Scott in the ring, I mean, you better uh, you better be willing to uh, take it and give it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I've had. Uh, yeah, uh, I've had uh, uh, a couple people tell me that have been in the ring with them. That yeah, they they definitely uh, let you know that uh, this is not fake wrestling. I mean, they definitely know, <laughs> they definitely know how to hit, mm -hmm. uh, know how to close line, know how to do moves, and um, I guess uh, Scotty hit the Frankensteiner. Yeah. 
on Brian Mobs, I believe, if I remember correctly, when I looked at the notes. Uh, yeah, but I'm sure it was a. I can't remember the the match. Uh, I I do remember where they were um, starting their feud. I think after this, or maybe it was before. I think it was before. Did they not do a contract signing and? Um, the Nasty Boys hit them with the belt. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, they power slammed uh, Scott Steiner through a table. Yeah, I believe so. And, uh, yeah, to build up for, for this match. That's like I said, this Halloween Havoc, they, it seemed like they built, especially your your last few matches, they really built those up, uh, unlike the year, the previous year. Yeah, for sure. Um, I know in this match, um, the the Steiner brothers they they uh they 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 done a lot of double teaming and they and this this was the first this was actually the first time that the Steiner brothers used their finisher the uh the uh, double bulldog off the top rope and of course uh, when they done that that's 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 definitely how uh well Scott Steiner ultimately got the victory uh, when he gave um, Brian Knobs the Frankensteiner. And then after the match, the Nasty Boys attacked the Steiner brothers with the championship belts, and and then they attacked the referee after that. Um, but they they were definitely drawing heat for this one, build building up their feud. Um, but you know, I, I I went back and watched this. I, I actually enjoyed this match. It, it you know it was really like I said, it was a hard hitting. And you know, man, you, you when you watch this match, you're like, oh my god, they're killing each other out there. Yeah, I always love the Nasty Boys, man. I don't know why. I just always love their uh, – I like the gimmick. It was, uh, you know, uh, something you haven't seen before. It was new, and uh, um, they definitely could uh, could go at it with, uh, with the best of them. Yeah. One of, one of my favorite Nasty Boy spots ever was um, at Starcade 93. I was at this show, right? And uh, um, Brian Knobs is um, – I mean Jerry Sags. No, I'm sorry. Brian Knobs is uh, he's he body slammed Sting, and he goes up on the second rope, and he looks over at, at, at Jerry, and he says, "Hit Sting," and then he looks down at he looks down at um, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry. He says, "Hit Hawk," and he looks down at Sting. He goes foot, and he jumps off the top rope. Sting puts the foot up. He catches the boot, and then he goes over, and, and then he hits, hits he hits Hawk. And I'm like. Man, they called that spot with with one words, you know, one word, hit hawk, foot, and they but but they, but they done the spot. I thought that was amazing. I was like, man, if guys if guys I work with could do that, I, I'd have better matches because <laughs> a lot of guys want to want to talk a whole a whole paragraph, you know. Hey, blah, blah, blah. shut up, you know. Let's just go into it. But uh, and and it was so funny. Years years later, um, I was working a, a tag match with my cousin Mark and them, and, and I called the same spot. And I said foot, and and it was funny. Mark Mark knew right away what I meant, and and Kenny even Kenny was like, matter of fact, Jeff, you and I were teaming together, and I called that spot. It was you and me against Mark and Kenny, and I said, I told you, I said hit Kenny, and I looked at Mark, I said foot, <laughs> and we did that spot up, up there in that building in Morganton. That was so fun. And then after the show, Mark goes, all right, nasty boy. <laughs> I was like, what? He's like, call a nasty boy spot. Like, yep, it's a good stuff. But uh, but yeah, I'm like you, Jeff. I, I always like the nasty boys. And and they had they had some fun, you know, some really cool um uh finishing moves, but the the funniest one was the pit stop. You remember the pit stop? Yeah. And uh, unfortunately, I, they were never WCW tag team champions, or were they? They they were actually, yeah. They, okay, so yeah. they though, yeah, they and the the Road Warriors to me are the only tag team to have held to me the Triple Crown, which is the uh, you know the the NWA slash WCW and the WWF or WWE tag team titles mm-hmm. and the AWA tag team titles. Right. Yeah. That's true. Um, as a matter of fact, um, at Star K ninety three, when I was there, they they were the WCW tag team champions at the time, and they uh, defended the belts against Sting and Road Warrior Hawk. Okay, and that that was a show where Missy Hyatt she she had to interfere. She jumps in the ring. She's wearing this pink see through top thing, and um, when she gets in the ring, she grabs Sting and she yanks on him, and her boob fell out. 
<laughs> and so she covers it up and stings like, wait a minute, what just happened? Because <laughs> she couldn't finish the, the you know, she, she was supposed to hit him more, I guess. And uh, when her boob fell out, she had to grab a boob because, you know, live pay-per-view there in Charlotte in the Bible Belt. Um, so I thought that was kind of funny. But, yeah, the, the Nasty Boys were were some fun guys. Um, now, moving on to the uh, next match. Now, this is a match that um, I, I think I think this match was kind of thrown in there at the last minute. But um, number nine on the on the on the on the uh, the card. Uh, but they are sitting there and um, and um, it's, it's a singles match. It's the, the junkyard dog taking on moon dog Rick. So we got two dogs against each other in this one, Jeff. <laughs> I need a bone to chew on. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and the moon dog. Moon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but, but, but this match goes three minutes, 15 seconds with junkyard dog, uh, taking the win on this one. Uh, this one, Jeff was, was kind of interesting, um, to, to see, uh, because as uh, Moondog, the way this match went, as Moondog Rex, uh, he, he went and grabbed his bone to use it as a weapon. And when the referee grabbed the bone, the, the junkyard dog used the opportunity to hit him with a headbutt and get the and get the pinfall victory. Yeah, I think this was toward the end of JYD's career, and he was kind of limited on what he could do. And of course, the Moondogs, I think they've been <laughs> they've been 70 years forever right and yeah <laughs> yeah they yeah they, um, yeah they had definitely been around for a while um but man they were um you know su- such a um I, I always loved the junkyard dog he was always one of my one of my favorite um uh wrestlers always one of my favorite uh i, I would i don't know i just always loved the junkyard dog um you know seeing him out there and uh Every time I hear um, uh, another one bites the dust, man, I always, I, would, I can always still see the junkyard dog coming to the ring and just, you know, just doing his thing. Yes, so do I. And and he was from Charlotte, so he's he's a Carolina boy like us. So we 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 gotta we gotta we gotta like the junkyard dog. Um, remember, speaking of junkyard dog, I'm, I'm gonna give the. I know we we're talking about Halloween Havoc here, but I want to talk. I want to talk about a little bit of history. Uh, so some of the people out there that may not know this, go back and listen to it. But remember in 84 junkyard dog worked for Jim Crockett promotions and he got sprayed in the face by, uh, Kabuki. And that's, that's how he left the NWA. Oh yeah. I do remember that. I remember, I remember that, um, I, I actually, uh, about a year or so ago, I was going through and watching uh, some of the old, uh, from YouTube, somebody was posting some of the old Mid-Atlantic Wrestling uh, television shows back in the day, and it was on there. I remember seeing it, uh, not been that long ago, actually, that I watched it. So, yeah, I remember that, definitely. Yeah, that was, uh, I, I love that. I mean, and man, back then, Kabuki was like, if, if you fans out there listening never got to watch the great Kabuki, man, I highly recommend looking him up on YouTube or on the WWE Network because I'm telling you, man, Kabuki, Kabuki was awesome. Yeah, and with the mist, man, I mean, nobody, that was, you know, nobody did that. No. no. You know, that was a, a unique thing there. And, and he would, Sometimes he would change color. Uh, at the beginning of the match, it would be green. And then later on in the match, he would spray red mist. And you're like, how did he do that? Yeah. I mean, as a kid, I was like, how in the world does he do that? Uh-huh. I mean, he, he was so slick about it, too. Like, like you never saw him get it, get it ready. It's like it just came out of nowhere. Uh, yeah. Boogie was telling me one time um, that, you know, when, when he was working that few with, uh, with him, he said, he said, Tony, he said that he sprayed that mist on me so much. Uh, he said, uh, for, he goes, I went down to work for, um, for, for, uh, Jerry Lawler in Memphis. And he said, uh, Jerry said, uh, Jimmy, what, what kind of look are you going for? He said, what are you talking about? He said, man, brother, you, your beard and your hair is green. And Boogie said, oh, that's that. he goes, that's that Muda, Muda did that. And he said, uh, Jerry Lawler's like Muda. And he goes, yeah. He said, the great Muda, he said, he told him, told him the deal. 
And he said, brother, he said, you got to dye that beard because, you know, if, if he hits you with the mist on TV, you can't be on our TV with the mist still in your beard. <laughs> and he's like, okay. <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. How, and he's like, he's like, I work, I work with Muda so much. He said his, his mist dyed my beard. <laughs> and I was like, wow. <laughs> but, 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 but Muda was, Muda, I'm not, sorry, not Muda, but uh, Kabuki, he was awesome. And, and, and not only that, he had the mist, but he'd always come out there with his, with those nunchucks. And man, he was, he was so good with those things. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like he came out, you, you know, it wasn't a gimmick and like he, he was really believable. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, and he was one of the, there was like four or five when I was a kid, I was scared of Abdul the butcher was the other one. Oh yeah. I was scared of Kabuki and Abdul the butcher. I mean, and Ox Baker. I mean, those, those three I was scared of. I was I was scared of Nikita Koloff because uh, I'll, I'll tell you a story, Jeff. Um, probably around eighty. Well, it was it was eighty six. Uh, when whenever Nikita and Magnum were like really hot into their feud, this 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 was like the big like in the spring, right before the summer, before they went into their best of seven. Magnum was still the U.S. champion, and they was in Greensboro. And uh, a lot of you people don't know this, but the Greensboro Coliseum, the way it used to be made. Um, there wasn't a gate um, where, where, the, where the wrestlers came in at, uh, but thanks to the Rock and Roll Express, they had to put one up. But anyway, so what had happened on this this particular night? Me and my dad and my and my aunt and my cousin had had went to um, to Greensboro to watch the matches, and um, so my aunt and I had had went up to the ticket booth, and my dad and my cousin were were getting uh, snacks at this at the snack machine. And uh, I'm standing there at the ticket booth, and back then, uh, you walk into the Coliseum, and they had like 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 these little, basically little, like I said, little booths where you'd walk up and 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 buy your ticket. And they they were they were all over the Coliseum there in, in the interest way. So anyway, I'm standing there, and all of a sudden I, I hear people chanting USA USA, going crazy, and I'm like, what? And uh, excuse me, as I turn around. Here comes Ivan and Nikita Koloff walking by me, and Nikita like pushes me out of the way because I'm well, he's pushing through the people, and I happen to be there, and he pushed me. And as a little kid, I was like, I ran, <laughs> I ran, and I'm like, and my aunt goes, "What's wrong?" I said, "Nikita's going to give me the Russian sickle." <laughs> I really thought he was going to do that right there, you know. And years later, when I got to know Ivan, I mentioned that to Ivan, and he told me, he's like, "Yeah," he said, "They put that gate up." And they locked it. And me and Nikita got there late because there were so many people, um, you know, trying to get in. He said, so the, our only way getting in the building was to come through where everybody was at. And and he said, we, he says, we were terrified. He said, even, uh, he said, uh, Nikita had told him, he said, Ivan, I don't think it's smart, you know, going through here. And he said, well, it may not be smart, but it's the only way in, and we got to get in the building. He he said he said I'll find us a cop, and, and that once I find the police, we'll be okay. Um, but 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 man, back then Nikita and Ivan, they were they were they were two, um, you know, scary people. And, but me as like an 11, 10, 11 year old kid, man, I was terrified of Nikita Koloff because he was killing guys on TV. Yeah, he uh, yeah he was definitely uh, an intense, huge. Uh, looking guy when he first came in, uh, that's for sure. Yeah, it was it was it was crazy. Well, um, moving on uh, now, as as we get in into some of our title matches um, here on this pay review, uh, now we're looking at the World Tag Team Titles. Uh, the NWA Tag Team Champions at the time was Doom, Ron Simmons, and Butch Reed, with their manager Theodore R. Long. And they are taking on the Horsemen. I'm talking about Nature Boy Ric Flair and Arn Anderson. Uh, this match goes 18 minutes 20 seconds. Jeff, going in this match, did did uh, you believe the Horsemen were going to win the belts? Yeah, unfortunately, I did, and uh, I was disappointed. I thought Flair and, and uh, Arn Anderson would be great tag team champions. And, oh yeah, for uh, yeah, sure. was, yeah, was just yeah, was just disappointed that they didn't win the tag team titles, but. You know, hindsight is twenty twenty. Of course, I uh, Rick Flair wrestled Lex Luger uh, a month before at the Clash of Champions. I told you we went I went to Asheville and watched, and we were thinking, and the whole way up we kept saying Flair's going to be the U.S. champion. Flair's going to be U.S. champion, and of course he didn't win. 
Right. Uh, Lex Luger won by disqualification because Stan Hansen came in and uh, interfered and jumped Lex Luger, and we were disappointed. And then uh, in January of 1991, that's when Ric Flair wins the World Heavyweight title back from Sting. So it all kind of, okay. So, uh, yeah. Uh, but uh, to me, uh, this was uh, one of, if not the best match on the whole card in my opinion. Oh, yeah. I definitely love this match. I mean, it was it was hard-hitting action. Um, you know, uh, Flair and Arn, you know, two, two of the greatest. I, at this time, uh, I would say Flair and Arn were, were probably the greatest, too. Uh, and I'm not taking nothing away from anybody there. But but Rick and Arn, man, they were they were top notch heels. Yeah, and uh, man, uh, performing. I I watched uh, Arn Anderson's podcast, and he said he said when I get in the ring, I wanted to make sure that every time I get in the ring, I want to make sure that my match is one that the fans always will remember when they go home. And. Uh, so, uh, you know, Arn always, uh, you know, put in 120% every time he was in the ring. No oh, doubt about it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Arn, Arn was the best. And, uh, you know, I have a, I have an Arn Anderson story for, for, that happened to me uh, a few years ago. Uh, WWE uh, was doing a tribute to Starcade, and uh, they had a little show here in, um, in Charlotte. Uh, I'm sorry, Greensboro. And, um, and I went to it and, uh, uh, you know, before the show, uh, one, one of the ladies, uh, that they're one of the announcers was coming around, you know, built, you know, as the buildings, uh, people's coming in the building, she's going around asking people, you, you ever been to Starcade? You been, what Starcade you been to? Whatever. And I didn't realize that she was looking for somebody to, to interview. Um, but I'm sitting there and she says, uh, anybody here, uh, you know, ever, ever been to any of the starcades? And I just raised my hand and she was, yes, sir. Can, can I get a word with you? And I'm like, what, what, what I'm fixing to cut a promo. <laughs> I'm going to cut a promo at starcade. And Jeff, when, when the only thing I could think of to say, um, you, you, she asked me a question, you know, which starcade, you know, did I, did I come to? Um, and I told her, I said, well, I was, at, I was at the last one held here in Greensboro uh 1986 um and i I, and i said i said but but what i want to talk about is not really starcade but but how like this building was like our madison square garden and um i said and and this is horseman country and jeff when i said horseman i wasn't even like trying to get a reaction i just said hey this is horseman country no i I said i said y'all we're in horseman country y'all and when i said that man uh, the people that were in the Greensboro Coliseum, which at the time was about half full, they all went, woo, you know, and man, I'm getting goosebumps now just telling the story, but to be there, uh, and, all, and all I said was, was we're in horseman country, y'all. And man, the people started, woo, woo. Well, later on in the show, um, two, you know, two guys are working together and Arn comes down, um, to, uh, you know, to, to get involved in the match. And uh, it was Dolph Ziggler, um, and and I can't remember who he's working, but but anyway, the the guy he was working, he he uh, Arn like the ref takes a bump or, or the ref the refs um is uh, not not paying attention. Arn gets in the ring and and gives Dolph the the spine buster, and and then the and then the other guy pins him, and then he gets on the Arn gets the microphone and he says, "Hey Dolph." Welcome to Horseman Country, and the play started wooing again, and I and I, I, I and I smiled, and then one of my other friends that was there, he texted me. He said, "Arn was thanking you for ta- for talking about Horseman Country." I said, "I don't know about about all that," uh, but but then but then after after he said that, I th- I thought to myself, "Well, may- maybe that's true because they didn't talk no they, they didn't say nothing about Horseman, nothing about anything, you know." when the show started, but, but when Arn came out there and hit the spine buster, he gets the microphone and he, he points over in my direction or, you know, the side of the, of the ring where I was sitting. Uh, and he said, he said, uh, Dolph, welcome to horseman country. And he put the microphone down and then, then, then that's when he pointed over. And then, and then my, then my, then my, my buddy texts me. He's like, dude, um, 
He's like, Arm was thinking you for for reminding him of a horseman country. I was like, nah, that wasn't for me, man. Uh, but but maybe it was, you know. And and this year, this past year, uh, Arn was at Wrestlecade, and I was I was gonna be a mark and go up and ask him about it, but then I chickened out. <laughs> I said, no, I'm not gonna do that. <laughs> but 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 Arn Arn will always be one of my favorite wrestlers. I mean, he his yeah. promos were the greatest. Uh, his work ethic and just the way he presented himself in the ring and and man, when Arn talked, you, you you believe what he said. Yeah, and I still think the My Spot interview uh, interview is one of the greatest of all time. Oh I mean, yeah, I put that up there with you know uh, Dusty Rose's uh, Hard Times. I mean, yeah. a lot of people say that's one of the best promos ever, but uh, man, Arn's My Spot that's got to be up there as well. Yeah, yeah, because he. I mean, I really think he was speaking from his heart at that point. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, now our next match, we move to another, uh, title match. Um, it's for the United States heavyweight title. Um, Stan, the Larry Hansen coming in, defeating the champion Lex Luger. Uh, I have to say, Jeff, this, this match shocked me. I wasn't anticipating seeing Stan Hansen defeat Lex Luger for the U S title. Neither was I. And I, I pretty much was expecting him to just shoot on Luger, but it, you know, it wasn't that bad of a match. And I think if I'm not mistaken, he hit him with his lariat and pinned him. Right. That, yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. I remember he, he knocked his block off with that lariat. That's for sure. Stan, Stan has knocked a lot of guys blocks off of that lariat. I mean, he even knocked Vader's eye out with it. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> Stan's the man. But you know, I've 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 seen uh, interviews with Stan Hansen, and uh, man, he, the the Stan Hansen uh, away from the ring is not as 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 uh, well. He's still country. He's still he's still a Texan, but it's like he's he's not as 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 barley as he is on TV with the tobacco dripping out of his mouth or whatever. Yeah, and I remember back in 1982 uh, when uh, uh, Gene Anderson uh, had a career-ending injury and couldn't wrestle any longer. Uh, Stan, they brought Stan Hansen in to be Ole Anderson's partner. So I think it was cool, and you know that years later, Ole's the Booker, and he's giving Stan a push and bringing Stan in. And uh, uh, but uh, they were actually the NWA World Tag Team Champions for a short period of time. Yeah, during nineteen eighty two. Yeah, it was it was really good. Um, Stan, but but you know, you look back over the years, uh, we've we've had like a lot of Texan wrestlers, and I know I'm gonna leave a lot of them out, but I'm, I'm gonna mention a couple of my favorite. Um, Stan Hansen, I always liked him. Um, Blackjack Mulligan, Barry Windham. Of course, Dusty Rose. We got to put him in there as a as a cowboy. Um, Black Bart. I mean, Jeff. I got to spend some hours with Black Bart you know, last year at Wrestlecade, and that guy is funny as he can be. But he's he's also a big old teddy bear too. Um, I tell you a funny story. So Wrestlecade, um, I, I I'm there and uh, and 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 they come to me and say, hey, you know, can can you give Black Bart a ride to the airport? I'm like, sure. You know, I got my kid with me, but you know. Who, so it was, it was me, Black Bart, my son, and, and and another guy that was with Black Bart. So we're driving to the airport, and it's like it's like an hour and a half from Winston Salem to the Charlotte Airport. And of course, you know, WrestleCade's right near Christmas time. Uh, here, here is this this tough Texan that I've seen on t- on TV talk about daggum this, daggum that, and that. And here's here's this guy going down. I-85 riding shotgun with me singing jingle bells with my son. Now that it don't get much cooler than that, Jeff. <laughs> and, and, and he's, come on, come on, little Tony sing this with me. And him and my son <laughs> was singing jingle bells together. I swear, Jeff, if I hadn't been driving, I would have recorded that. And I told black bars, I'm going to record this. He goes, no, brother, don't do that. You'll, you'll, you'll ruin my gimmick as a tough Texas cowboy. <laughs> I said okay. He said, "But I love kids," and uh, and he he's like he's like your little man reminds me of my grandson. So, uh, so immediately my son was over uh, with Black Bart. So he had Black Bart singing Jingle Bells with him in the car. So that was really funny. Uh, but but I like Black Bart, and uh, but you know, 
I always liked that 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 Texas cowboy gimmick. You know, if 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 you remember, Jeff, I guess one of one of my my first big programs with you, uh, I done a Texas gimmick. I did the the Midnight Rider. Yep. That was that, that was yep. a fun deal. We uh, Midnight Rider, and then then uh, then after that, you 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 done the same thing. You you did the Ghost Rider. So uh, that, that Texas cowboy gimmick is always over with me. Oh yeah. Now, uh, fans, right now we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to be talking about the main event of uh, Halloween Havoc 90 coming up right after this. Sure to share the podcast on your favorite social media channels. All right, fans, we're back here on the Binge Buster Show getting ready to talk about the main event on Halloween Havoc 90. Uh, The main event is for the NWA World Heavyweight title. As a champion, Sting is defending the title against one, the newest member of the Horsemen, uh, who I thought was a. I was when when they put Sid Vicious in the Horseman, Jeff. I said, "What are they doing?" Because he just did not, you know. All the years past, everybody that's been in the Horseman, they 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 had that aura about them, you know. Um, but Sid Vicious just didn't fit that mold to me. What 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 are your thoughts? Uh, yeah, he was more. Um more about himself and not really the, the group. Um, so, yeah, I was kind of, I think it was just, uh, they were just trying to find another guy to put in. And uh, that was who they came up with. Yeah. Totally. Um, yeah. Totally didn't come back. I couldn't come back. Um, and I, I think you're right. I think, think they just grabbed somebody to fill that, to fill that spot. Um, but now, yeah. and, but now the cool thing in this match was, uh, uh, Sid originally thought that he had won the match after Sting hit a body slam off the top rope. Uh, Sid f- uh, falling on top of him uh, and getting the victory. Um, but what they really, what they didn't realize was the Sting that that Sid Vicious pinned was actually Barry Windham in makeup. Um, <laughs> when I when I saw this, I was like, "What? what wait, what's going on here? I, I'm, I'm confused." I'm, I'm really confused. Um, and then of course, uh, then we realized, wait a minute, that's Barry Windham dressed like Sting. Um, but they're there for a second at first. I mean, he, they, they, uh, they, they, they fooled everybody. Yeah. And I don't think anybody knew Barry Windham had come back. I think he was in, uh, WWF. No, I n- was no, I, no, or, no. I, I think the storyline there was Barry Windham w- was injured by doom. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And Ric Flair took his place. Yeah. Uh, it was supposed to be Arn Anderson, Barry Windham for the, you know, uh, against Doom for the World Tag Team titles. Yeah. That's right. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, but, but, you know, that, 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 that really blew, blew me away whenever I saw that. I was like, wait a minute. What? Wait a minute. That was like Barry Windham. Why? He cut his hair. He cut his gimmick off. You know, I was like, man. Um, but then, uh, as the show went off, uh, the real Sting enters the ring, hits the Stinger splash, and picks up the victory. And then the show ended following Sting's interview with Jim Ross uh, as he talked about his match coming up with the Black Scorpion. Um, and uh, we, next week's show, fans, we're going to talk a little bit more about the uh, Halloween Havoc. But we're, but we're also going to be touching on the idea and the gimmick of the Black Scorpion. Uh, Jeff, when, when you first heard about the Black Scorpion, what what were your thoughts? Well, I thought it was a, a pretty good idea, but I don't think they executed it correctly. Um, because I remember we were always like, well, who is the Black Scorpion? And we kept thinking, we kept thinking it would be the Ultimate Warrior. That's who we thought it was going to be. And if you're, anybody that knew... Um, Sting was when he first got started in the business. He and the Ultimate Warrior were partners called the Blade Runners. I can't remember exactly where they wrestled, what territory they was from, um, but the company they were uh, when they started, who it, who they were with, uh, and um, but that's what we were hoping, you know. And of course, that didn't happen. Um, of course, we all knew who it ended up being, but I think they had different uh, 
different wrestlers doing the uh, the Black Scorpion uh, uh, gimmick um, over the few months they did the uh, the whole thing. So. Yeah, um, yeah, it, it was it was a definite. Uh, I I liked the, I liked how when they first done it, they they had that uh, you know the the guy do, doing the magic tricks, the, the magician. Uh, and grabbed that kid and made that kid disappear. Then Sting went and gra- got the kid back. Uh, I think that happened first on the clash. Um, but, uh, but the black scorpion, uh, it, it was definitely a, uh, I liked the gimmick. I thought it was, a, it was a good gimmick. Um, uh, although the end of it, uh, it turned out to be Ric Flair. Uh, of course that, that wasn't supposed to be the intention all along. It was supposed to have been Al Perez. Uh, but Al didn't want to drop a pin, but, Come on, nobody knows who you are. The hood on. <laughs> I mean, come on, take the money, yeah. man. Uh, you, you're working. Yeah. A, you're working a program with the world champion, and uh, up until that point, the uh, the last thing that we anybody ever saw you do uh, was uh, when when uh, I guess what '88. He was in the NWA, and I think he was the Western States champion, maybe right? Yeah, something like that. Um, the the first time. Like I said, I think Ole Anderson did most of the interviews. And then uh, the first time that he wrestled was against Sting at the Clash of Champions in Asheville that I told you I attended. Right. And we come to the realization that we think it was not Al Perez, but Lou Perez, who had pretty much been a jobber for WCW at the time. Mm-hmm. And we think that's who it was. And then as he was pulling the mask off, there were the uh, the guy was wearing another mask under it. Another black scorpion came walking down the ramp, and it looked like the the guy that was uh, run as the Angel of Death in uh, the UWF. Yeah, and it when, probably was because you know, I, I know he he was actually one one of the black scorpions at, at one point as well. Yeah, but we could we kind of put that together just by the way he looked. Uh, and then, of course, after we wa- we went back home and, and watched it, uh, the uh, we we videotaped it and then watched it, and then you know they shot a a real close up on the guy uh, who walked down the ramp, and we just by looking at his face, he looked like the the angel of death uh, from the UWF, and then uh, so then I mean it just kept on and on with different people uh, playing the role, so. Yeah. Um, one of the things, um, Jeff, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, not, not sure if you knew this, but uh, the, talking about the Angel of Death, he was actually one of the uh, original Russian assassins, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Which which I, I think he I think he may have been the very first one. Um, and then um, Jack Victory uh, was was another. And then I think also Rip Morgan was as well. Hmm. But uh, but yeah, that, that that's another story from another podcast. But uh, but all in all, this one was uh, you know this 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 Halloween Havoc was was actually one of my favorites. Um, I, I enjoyed this one. Uh, like I said, it had it had a lot of a lot of great talent on this show, a lot of great matches, and uh, you know, and I'm with you. Uh, the the Doom Horseman match was definitely, I think the uh the uh the match on the card. Um, the Sting and Sid Vicious match, I think, it left a lot of people kind of scratching their head for a minute because uh, they really wasn't sure what was going on. Um, and um, and if, if I remember, it seems like the when when the show originally aired, uh, it started to go off TV um, bef- before the the real Sting came back out. Right? Am I, am I right about that? Yeah, something like that. But I remember, <laughs> I remember uh, in one of the wrestling magazines back in those days, they had a picture of Barry Windham as he was going back to the dressing room, and he turned and looked, and he had that Barry Windham grin on his face. Yes, and I remember that. <laughs> it was so funny. I loved it. Was it. So funny. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I mean, all in all, I mean, the show was really good. Uh, Overall, um, out of a ten, I'd probably give it a seven. I mean, just because you know your your tag matches on the the card were really really good. Um, some of your singles matches were kind of uh, iffy, but uh, your as far as your your tag team matches, all the tag team matches were were uh, really really good on the card. So 
Yeah, I definitely enjoyed it. Well, fans, make sure you tune in with us next week as we're still staying on the Halloween Havoc theme. Uh, next week, though, we're going to be looking at Halloween Havoc 1991, uh, which takes place. Uh, I'm sorry, not 91. We're going to do Halloween Havoc 92, which takes place at the uh, in the Philadelphia, Pennsylvania Civic Center with the main event being the Coal Miners Glove Match, Jeff. Sting versus Jake the Snake Roberts. Uh, I'm I'm excited about that one. Uh, what what are your thoughts? Oh, we're gonna. I definitely have to go back and look at uh, what happened on this one because I do not remember. I don't remember the Coal Miners Club match. I, I'll just have to look at it and uh, see uh, what happened on that. That one is. Uh, that one was spin the wheel, make the deal, and uh, okay, yep, yeah, I remember and it comes that, up though. the Coal Miners Glove match. So. Uh, definitely, I'm I'm excited about you know breaking that one down, um, and then of course, uh, uh you know we'll have a couple more weeks uh, that that we'll be able to do these, uh, and then we'll be getting into the month of November, and we'll be talking Starcades, and uh, uh, I'll I'll go back and pull my promo from Starcade, and I'll I'll play that for us uh, on on our Starcade editions uh, coming up at the month of November, but. Uh, Jeff, thanks again for joining me, being my co-host this week as Chris is on location, uh, digging up some more stories for the Binge Buster show. Um, with this is our second week of doing live on, excuse me, live on air, um, broadcast and, uh, had several people, uh, log in, uh, I saw. So thank you listeners for joining in. Tell your friends, this is going to be a live show again next Wednesday. Uh, 9.45 p.m., and uh, uh, Jeff and I are going to break down another uh, another Halloween Havoc, tell some more stories, and uh, just have a good time. Right, Jeff? Exactly. All right, fans. Well, for Jeff Patton, I'm Tony Binge. Thank you for joining us on the Binge Buster Show. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Binge Buster Show. Make sure you like us on Facebook and download us on your favorite podcast platform.